good evening, Court. That's nice to hear from you. Good evening, everyone. How's everyone tonight? All right. I, I hope that's not a precursor to how silent y'all going to be tonight because we don't need silence. We need, hey, Miss Sarah, good to see you. Um, thank you for coming tonight to keep him in check because we, we, need, we need him to be good. Before we start tonight, let's have a word of prayer. Lord God in heaven, we thank you so much for today. We thank you, Lord, for showing us your power. Your word says that you have storehouses or warehouses full of snow. And Lord God, you're showing us in, in, in a way just how that is true, Lord. We're so grateful to you for your love that you have for this earth and how you prepare it uh, in the in wintertime and as we await the springtime to come. We thank you, Lord God, for all those that are here this evening, both in this room and in the other rooms here in this building, that we've come together to study more about you through your word and how we can come together more through our fellowship in Christ. We ask that you be with each and every teacher and every uh, uh, student, every participant here this evening, that we may all see what thus says the Lord and enrich our lives, Lord, uh, enrich our souls because of you. Please be with those that could not be here tonight, for we know that there are some that are sick, some that have had surgeries here recently, some that are just cannot be here for whatever reason, Lord God, but that, that want to be. We ask that you be with them and bless them. Please help those that are not here tonight because they have chosen not to be with us this evening and, and to, to learn more about you. Lord God, help us to continue to pray for them and encourage them. Please be with those that are watching um, from from the internet, that you may bless them, Lord, to be able to learn just as we are. We ask that you please forgive us of our sins, Lord, and help help us to strive to do better by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, turn your Bibles over to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. I'd like to welcome you all here again tonight. And for those of y'all that don't know me, I'm Jaylee Jackson. And uh, we're teaching and we've been studying on fellowship. Um, the, the title of these lessons or the theme of these lessons is our life together. Because we spend a life, a lifetime in Christ with one another. And we're not in this life by ourselves. Sometimes it may seem like it is, especially if we do not learn how to deal with one another, live with one another, uh, be sad be happy with one another, comfort one another. Uh, we, we have previously uh, began our study addressing the application side of this study. We've been dealing a lot with the doctrinal side of, of these studies, especially when we ask, what can we do to enhance our fellowship? Remember, fellowship is not just getting together to eat or just getting together to have a good time, but we're sharing fellowship right now, sitting and studying God's word. We share in the bond of Christ. You know, Sunday we had a baptism. That young man now is, a, a, is part of us. He's part of this fellowship. He is part of um, being, he, he can call us, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ, and we can call him our brother in Christ. We saw that our acts of devotion when we assemble to do that, as we, we talked about how fellowship, how worship can enhance our fellowship together. With this study, we continue to examine the application side. What we can do, uh, what can we do to enrich our life together? What sort of things should we avoid that have the potential of disrupting our fellowship? 
you know, some of these things that we talked about, it seems like it would be a no-brainer. If we're talking about we're a family, we would not want to do anything that's going to disrupt our family um, dynamic. You know, within your own family, at your house, uh, or, or family members that you have throughout the world, there are just things that you know you should and should not do with your family, right? Um, there, someone reminded me today that, well, you're, you're, you're still your mama's child, and she still may look to you as being her, her little boy. And I said that, you know, yeah, that's probably true. That's probably true. And there are certain things I probably would not say to my mother that maybe I'll say to someone else. You know, I'm still scared that there's going to be a switch or, or a belt come out from somewhere. If I, you know, I'm just saying maybe you don't have that fear, but I know better. Right. I, I know that she's still my mom and I'm going to respect her. But there, there's different dynamics that we have a relationship you have with your own your own siblings. You know, when you were growing up, for any of you all that had siblings, um, it was a different relationship. I, I don't know how, how best to say it, but I know that, that I, after we, my brothers and I became adults, it was just different. I, I, couldn't, I wouldn't say that we're like the best of friends, but the conversations are different. Uh, the same thing goes with our cousins. And, you know, sometimes your cousins can even be closer than your own siblings because you're going to tell your cousins some things that, you know, and have relationships with them that you wouldn't have with your own own. Uh, on, on siblings. Well, I like to relate that to us in Christ. Those are, we're in a family together. We, we are blood brothers and sisters because we are all been baptized in, in water grace baptism. We have put on the blood of Christ. And so there are things that we're going to say and do with one another that are going to be different than those that we know that are outside of Christ. Those that are in the world are, are, peers that we work with or our bosses are subordinates there are just things that i know that i can say to you and do with you that maybe i can, i just i'm not going to be able to do that um outside um outside of the church not outside of these walls but outside of the church we studied a lesson called no life outside the body and there truly isn't a life outside the body of christ there are many places we could turn into the new testament for a study of enriching our life together. Indeed, much of the New Testament addresses the subject in one form or another. But in this study, we will focus mainly on what we find in the epistle of James. So we will be turning to James, so you might want to hold your finger there, but we're going to read in Proverbs chapter 6 first. Addressed to those, talking about James, who were scattered abroad, James 1.1, it is especially full of advice for Christians who find themselves living in a highly mobile society like our own. Christians whose need for fellowship is often a truly felt need because other normal channels of association like family, friends, etc., may be lacking. This is if, you know, you have not channeled all your energy into what the world is doing. Sometimes we can get caught up to what the world is doing and what the world has, what our friends have, what our neighbors have, and the fun that they're having. Um, you know, the dynamics of, in our country have changed. I know in my lifetime, and then for a lot of you, in your lifetime, you've seen even more major changes. Um, I was just thinking on our way here, thinking about this, I, I was reading, there's a book that written by one of our brothers, uh, uh, Dave Miller. Some of you have this book. 
Uh, it's called Piloting the Strait. And in that book, he talks about a lot of the changes that have happened. Uh, not He talks about a lot in America, but I, I think generally in the world, how our spirituality in the church of Christ, how it has changed based off the things that are going on in the world. And without going into all of it, it's a really great book um, to read. But something that he said in the book resonated with me about how um, how our mindset, let's say, in the United States has changed about spirituality. And what he said was actually brought out tonight as I was listening to the radio. There's, there's some race or something that's going on here in Anchorage. It's for a great cause, but guess when it is? Anybody want to guess? On Sunday, around the same time, we're here for Bible class and worship service. And I'm thinking, and it's for children. I said, why Why would you plan something on Sunday? This is me thinking, why would you plan something on Sunday doing worship and doing Bible classes? That's where we're going to be. Oh, that's, that's because the majority of us are not, us people, that is, and, or people in the world, I should say, are not thinking that way. Which is different than maybe, I don't know, you count however many years back how that would be different. I can remember growing up as a little boy, there were certain stores that just were not open on Sunday, certain restaurants. Or if they were, they opened after a certain time. Like they knew when people were getting out of worship and then they would open up. I can remember when, when Walmart uh, would not sell alcohol on Sunday. You know? And some places they still are like that, but it's few and far between. So let's begin by observing things we must not do or have if we desire to succeed and enrich in our life together. Before I go on, I'm not standing up here trying to beat up on the world per se or any store or any organization. I'm trying to show you how we need to we need to put our focus in what God's word says. Let's focus on what he says on how we can enrich our lives together because when we do that, then we'll have a better opportunity and we'll be better motivated to teach others about Christ, to teach others what you know. You know, a lot of people will say, well, I, I mean, I'm not the preacher. I'm not the teacher. I'm, I'm not well-versed in God's word. Well, I will tell you, uh, study more, read God's word more so that you can get better verse in it. But you don't have to know everything. Each one of you that are members of the body know what brought you to Christ. Tell somebody that. Tell somebody your conversion story. Tell them what, what brought you to Christ. And maybe they may be interested to learn more. And if you don't have all the answers, which you don't, nor should you ever feel like you do, and nor should you display that you do um, so that people can assume that you do, get help. There are plenty of people in this room, in this congregation, that can help you. Things to avoid. All filthiness and overflow of wickedness. James one twenty one tells us that. I take this to include any sort of immoral behavior or speech, Ephesians 5, 3 through 5. <clears throat> but where we're reading in Proverbs chapter, tw- chapter 6, the wise man wrote of the devastating effects of immorality. Proverbs 6, starting at verse 27, the scripture says, Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? So is he who goes into his his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her shall not be innocent. People do not 
People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. Yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. Wounds and dishonor he will get, and his reproach will not be wiped away. For jealousy is a man's fury. Therefore, he will not spare in a day of vengeance. He will accept no recompense, nor will he be appeased, though you give him many gifts. Nothing will destroy the precious fellowship we have in Christ like sin in the camp. Can you, can you think about one example when sin was in the camp and it affected everyone else? Um, whether it's here or biblically, that's what I'm thinking about from the Bible. Can you think about from the Bible uh, anyone that, that caused sin or brought sin in the camp and it caused problems for everybody else? What's that, brother? The battle of Ai. In the battle of Ai, there was one person. God, God has said, God told them, uh, the Israelites, when they were going to these cities, he would give different instructions to them. Most of the time, though, it was, hey, when you go in, everything belongs to me. Bring everything into the storehouse, the gold, all everything. Here's some things that you can take. This is what you can't. For just prior to the Ai, um, they had... The Israelites had walked around Jericho, the walls of Jericho, right? And they seemed like they defeated that pretty simply by doing what God told them to do. And they had a whole lot more people than they had going into AI. And so they assumed that when they were going to go into AI, well, we won't take everybody we need um, because they're they're smaller. And they were defeated. And um, Joshua could not understand why. And the reason why was because, did anybody know the man's name? I know you know, brother. What's the man's name that that took something, took some things? Achan. And he knew he was wrong because he went and hid it. And, uh, and long story short, you go back and read scripture. I don't want to tell you everything. Because uh, if you haven't read it, I don't want to ruin it for you. You, sh- you should go read. It's in Joshua. Um, God said that you have to you got to get rid of sin in the camp before you can go on. I won't be with you if if you still have sin in the camp. That man died along with all of his household and everything he had. They they stoned him. They 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 killed him and they buried him. Put put heaps of rocks on top of them. And then things were good. Same thing can happen here in the church. Same thing can happen if we allow sin to continue to go on, and we know it, we see it, and we do nothing about it. It can cause our congregation problems. It can cause church problems. And um, is it First or Second Corinthians where the man has his wife's, I mean, his father's wife? He was First uh, Corinthians. He has his father's wife, and everyone knows about it. And Paul knows about it. Paul is not even there, and he has to write to them and get on them about that. See, even though we are a local congregation of the Lord's body right here on the Bar Road. We are not the only part of the church. Everybody understand what I mean? I mean, that's why, and we're, we're talking about fellowship. That is why we can go other places and find the church and be in fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ because we're there the church as well. 
But if you know, like if, if I know, I know because I've traveled just a little bit and someone is, um, who was it? Keith, Keith, um, recently left here, a young man that was in the army <coughs> and I knew where he was going. I knew what part of where he was going. I knew, well, let me tell you about some congregations there. You go find out on your own. You should, you should go investigate on your own. But let me tell you, there are some things going on in that place that you need to be aware of. Because I know about some things. And, and, and that's how we should be. We should warn our brothers and sisters in Christ about sin that may be in the camp somewhere. But it's still up to us to investigate. Well, if we turn to uh, James chapter 2, we'll see that we should also avoid partiality. James 2, I'll be reading starting at verse 1. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the Lord of glory, excuse me, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a, a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, you stand there, or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who loved him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme uh, that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. This was discussed in our study entitled An Accepting Fellowship. I hope you remember that. Showing respect of persons either through partiality or its more malignant cousin, bigotry or racism, makes us sinners from God, James 2.9. Fellowship in Christ is designed to bring us together, not divide us. Yet, if you don't know this, if you haven't been down to the lower 48 or any other part of the world, uh, problems exist in the church. Congregations are divided. People are still separated by race, skin color, nationality. Sometimes sometimes you can't get away from the, the nationality part, especially if there's a language barrier, but you can. You can. There are ways to come together. There are I will say this again, as I said in the accepting fellowship, uh, uh, accepting fellowship lesson. There is no black heaven. There's no white heaven. There's no Hispanic heaven. There's just heaven. There's just heaven. Everybody get that? I don't know why God made us to look like we do. I'm glad that we do because, I mean, we all have different culture and things. I, I don't know. I work out because I, I like to eat. I mean. I like to eat, so I need to work out. Well, Air Force says I have to also, but, you know, and I know that every country I've been in and every, you know, Alaska is like another country sometimes, too. Uh, every time I eat somebody else's food, I'm like, man, this is different. I've never had this before. Tell me where you're from. Tell me about how you grew up. Oh, I've never, that's not what I did growing up. This is what I did. You know, it's a wonderful thing to learn about one another, to really understand one another. To really figure out if, you know, um, I just yeah, I forgot his name. Just that quick. Just that quick. Not, 
not your name because I'm, I'm getting ready to talk about you, uh, Shay. Who, who, who did they say you look like? Danny Elmore. I didn't know. I didn't realize that at one time. But then when you all said it, what I'm getting ready to say at a, at a men's Bible class one Tuesday night, Danny Elmore mentioned that somebody said, "Yeah, uh, me and Shay uh, favor each other." Would have never saw it until I looked at them both at the same time. And then we found out. We I found out some things about Danny. Good, great things, but by us talking, standing there talking, and I was like, "Wow." That's great. Now I know who I can call and talk to about X, Y, Z. We are, I know we're all thankful that God does not show partiality. What if God liked court better than Sarah? What, what if he did? What would you think about that? Mm. I guess, I guess you're going to heaven and Sarah is not. Right? I, there's religions out there. I know one for in particular that believed that, that, well, God has already decided that he likes you more than her. So it doesn't matter. You're going to heaven whether you like it or not. She's going to hell whether she likes it or not. There's nothing y'all can do about that. That's how we are sometimes when, we, when we're treating, when we talk to one another, just in general, not just, not just being a Christian. Sometimes as human beings, we treat each other that way. Sometimes we, show, we are partial to one another. And I'm thankful that God isn't. I'm thankful that God shows us the way, shows us how to be better. We can't have that in the church. Any comments on that before we move on? Yes, sir. <laughs> you you remind us, brother. That's, <laughs> I read that in his book. Yeah, see, Brother Keeble said a lot of funny things that made a lot of sense. Uh, he can make a black cow to eat green grass, but it comes out white milk. I, I, God is amazing, and we should love him for that, and we should love each other for that. We should just come together. I, I, I'm not saying that we have that problem here, but you, we all talk to one another. We all know the little deep pockets of things that may or may not be happening. So we have a, we have a responsibility. I have a responsibility we have a responsibility individually to ensure that those things aren't going on, that we, we help get rid of filthiness and the overflow of, of wickedness and get rid of partiality. We don't need that in church. We also don't need the misuse of the tongue. It says something wrong there. We get in trouble with this thing that we have in our mouths. Look at James chapter 3. The tongue possesses great power to destroy if we are not careful. James chapter 3, starting at verse 1. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a greater, excuse me, a stricter judgment. For we are, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look at also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on, set on fire by hell. You can also look at Proverbs twenty nine eleven for that. 
For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brother, these th- my brother, and these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. When we misuse the tongue to curse men, it reveals the shallowness of our praise of God, James 3, 9 through 12. During the war, the old Navy saying was, loose lips sink ships, and it's still true today. It can have the same effect on the peace and fellowship in the congregation. I mean, it's, this is not in the Bible, and I'm not trying to act be extra biblical or add extra things to 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 the to Bible, but I just wonder, and you probably said this or, or wanted this as well. We have two ears and one mouth. It seems like we need to listen twice as hard as we talk sometimes. Sometimes we we just say things. I, I preached a sermon before about the tongue. And I remember doing some research before I was, uh, as I was writing or studying for this sermon. And some of you all are more aware of this than I was because I grew up and there was a TV already. But a lot of you grew up with the radio and watching and listening to a lot of old radio shows like The Shadow Knows or, um, and yes, I know about this show because I did a play on it, uh, The Shadow Knows and uh, for some other other ones that were very comical, you know, where they, they make all the noises with all types of instruments or pieces of paper or whatever, using foil for thunder. But somebody might slip up and say something that they shouldn't or or they said it wrong and then they were able to say it right. Well, there was a, there's a delay button that that uh, radios radio shows could use. And if you said it wrong or it didn't come out like it was supposed to, you could press this button and it gives like a five second delay. You can erase it and put the right thing in. I wish we had that. Or, or do we not have that? Our tongue doesn't control itself. What start, where does it start? Where does sin start? In our hearts, right? Right up here. We need to think about what we're saying. And I'm not just talking about sometimes, I'm not talking about saying bad things. Sometimes we just open our mouth and stuff comes out that just shouldn't. You're like, you're not even in this conversation. Why are you standing here listening to what I have to say and then trying to repeat it? It's not like I talk to a child, right? Because, you know, children do that. Children, they, they hear something and they want to, oh, well, I want to be in the conversation too. Well, we do that as adults. We do it right. I've seen it right here in this congregation. I've done it before and I have to get on myself about it. You know, we, we need to just, mm, just be quiet sometimes. Do y'all agree, disagree? I don't know, maybe. Yeah. We, we just need to sometimes just listen. Another thing we could do is, um, I learned this when, you know, I mentioned to you that, that um, Jennifer and I lost a son when we were in Japan. And I know now, though it, it was really hard for us then, it it was a blessing for us to be able now to be able to help comfort others who may be going through something similar. Um, n- not the same thing. Like we can be empathetic, not necessarily sympathetic, because it's going to be different for each person. 
But one thing we did learn through that process was maybe just be quiet. When you go to that person, sometimes just, just sit there. You don't have to say, say anything. Because people said things to us. They, were, they meant well. But it did not feel good when they said it. Own family members would say, well, at least you have the other two, Jaden and Jacob at the time. Jaden and Jacob were not even nowhere thought about. JJ and Jasmine at the time. And I, it was hard to hear that. You know, yes, we realize we have our other two children. That does not uh, mean that we are not going to miss the one we lost. And so we learned then we're just going to be quiet. Someone loses someone or someone's going through something hard. Sometimes it's just you just sit there. And whether you, I don't know if you agree with that or not. I know for me, though, it helps. Sometimes just. Let me just be there for you. Let me pray for you. The best thing you can do for somebody is to pray for them. Pray with them. All right, before we move on, anyone else? Any comments? I saw you throw your your key away with your mouth, you know, so you're not going to say nothing. (laughs) Another thing we can get rid of besides um, partiality, I'm sorry, partiality, misuse of the tongue, and filthiness and overflow of wickedness is selfishness. And we've kind of studied this already, but... In James chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they come from your do they come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? James reveals that the root cause of much strife is nothing more than selfishness. As we wrote earlier, for as he wrote earlier, for where envy and self seeking exists, confusion and every evil thing will be there. James three sixteen. If we desire peace and harmony in our fellowship, we must grow beyond the egocentricism of our youth and carnality. We, again, we've already studied this part, but we have to learn how not to be selfish. We have to be given of ourselves to help others and help others not just with financially or with food, but also with their spirituality. We need to get rid of speaking evil of one another, James 4, 11 through 12. It says, do not speak evil of one another. Brethren, we, he who speaks evil of the brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to, to save and destroy. Who are you to judge another? And we have to be careful with these verses. Because we'll almost make this say that there is no time that you can ever judge one another. Well, here we learn that speaking evil of another, uh, evil, speaking evil of another actually speaks evil of the law and judges the law. Do we wish to be guilty of that? We also set ourselves up as judges when there is really only one judge and lawgiver. This does not preclude the necessary the necessity, excuse me, to judge with righteous judgment. Look at John chapter seven verse twenty four. John seven twenty four, and again I'm I'm doing all the reading so that our folks that are watching online can actually hear what's being said, and I'll I'll try to repeat anything that you try, you are saying so that they would hear you as well. James seven twenty four says, "Do not judge according to your appearance, but judge with righteous judgment." Nor does it say that we cannot judge those who are inside. The family of God. 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13. 1 Corinthians 5, 
9 through 13 says, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexual, sexual, uh, sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner not even to eat with such a person. For what, I, what have I to do with judging those also who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? <clears throat> but too often we can be guilty of judging, quote-unquote judging others according to our own personal standards. Speaking evil of others is usually an indication of that and quickly destroys fellowship. So we, just to reiterate there, we... We choose to go by the book of Jaylee or book of, you put your name there and say, well, I don't feel that you should be doing this because I think blah, blah, blah. But it's not according to God's word. There's up on the walls out there uh, in, the, in the foyer, in the fellowship area, um, there's a, there, there, there are parables that Tracy has put up for us. And one of them is about having a speck in your eye and a beam in your eye. And I, I, I hadn't actually looked at the picture up there until the other, other day we were here, and there's a big beam coming out of someone's eye while he's talking to his brother, and he has a little, little speck there. And um, sometimes we, we come to each other like that. Look, I, can't, I shouldn't be coming to you. Uh, Court and I, we were having a conversation here before, but I'm, I, remember I talked to you about when we lived in Japan, we lived in Okinawa, they, they have these, what they call love love motels and and those motels were built specifically for married couples a long time ago but that's not what they're being used for um and and you all know i'm married court knows i'm married he sees me going into this love motel with uh, someone else that that's not my wife but he's doing the same thing and then he comes and tries to rescue me pull me out of satan's hand brother you're doing the same thing how dare you, right? We we have to make sure that we're not we're not involved in sin as well before I come to you because then you're judging me. You're judging me now. You know you can't judge me. There's only one. There's only one judge. That's God, and that is true. But I would rather try to help you not go to hell than say, well, I'm no one's judge, so you just keep doing what you're doing. We have a responsibility to one another. And that's part of being in fellowship with one another. So those are the things not to do. These five things can prevent a congregation from enjoying our life together. That Christian, that Christ, that Christ, excuse me, intends for his church. Let's be diligent never to allow them to infect the relationship as we have uh, with God, with the family of God. But at the same time, let's take a proactive approach to building fellowship. So going back to James chapter 1. What does James counsel us to do? James chapter 1 and verse 2, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your, pa- your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Possessing a positive perspective about difficulties is good for congregations as well as for individuals. Any congregation that is growing will likely experience problems with maintaining peace and harmony. One of the things that we learned about um, 
you been you been to NCO uh, A yet? The NCO Academy. You've been to, you've been to ALS. You've been to ALS. So in Airman Leadership School, um, for those of y'all who have gone to some professional military education, the one of the first things they teach you about teams is that every time a new person comes in or someone leaves, that's a new team. No matter who's left, who's in, in the team. And you always have four steps, four, four things that are going to happen. You're going to form, you're going to storm, you're going to norm, and you're going to perform. And it's always when a new person comes in, well, everybody's getting to know each other. You're forming and stuff. And, you know, I like you. You know, oh, you come from Florida, too. Yeah. But you. But then we start storming. You wear, you wear New York Yankees shirts and L.A. Lakers shirts. And I don't like L.A. Lakers. We're not going to be able to work together. And so then it takes, takes my brother over here to come in and say, hey, y'all need to get along. And let's, let's do better about, you know things and don't worry about the shirts he wears or maybe not wear those shirts or maybe maybe one day y'all can come in twinning i don't know you come in and help us normalize and then when we we push all that stuff to the side we start performing we start doing great things for the organization same thing happens in the church same thing happens you know we have two elders now and even though they have already been the elders here they are a new team and they have they have oversight of this congregation and there are things that they are trying to do to help us uh, uh, perform and maybe some of us are not liking what's going on with the deacons or the elders or the sisters or the brothers or something like that well we're, we're going to get through those things and what we're going to do is we're going to start normalizing and then we're going to start performing not performing to try to to help uh, make each other happy but performing for the lord making sure that we're pleasing God because we're going to remember that it's not about us. It's not about me. It's about God. And that, that's a continual cycle that happens. And so James tells us to count it all joy when we fall into various trials and tribulations. Those things are going to happen. It's going to produce patience in us. But just as marriages are made stronger when spouses are willing to work together through their difficulties, a congregation can be made stronger by its difficulties. We're supposed to also pray for wisdom. James five, James 1, 5 through 8 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. To be able to maintain a thriving fellowship in, in a congregation, it requires wisdom, not just from the leadership, but from all of us. Just as we should seek wisdom from God as individuals, so we should also, as a congregation, we should be praying to God and seeking wisdom as a congregation together. And let me tell you one of the reasons why we don't, we don't ask for wisdom from God, because we know he's going to give it to us. It says it right there. He's going to give it to us without reproach. He won't. He was like, here. But wisdom takes knowledge, right? And that knowledge sometimes, the wisdom comes through pain and difficulties. And that's why we don't ask for it. Because I don't want to go through that. I used to say, I asked God for wisdom, and I did. I used to ask for him all the time. And then we, every time we had a child, you know, I still ask God for wisdom. We, we just don't have any more. We're not having any more kids. Um, Because children will teach you some things. 
You, would you agree? Yes, they, they will teach you some things. They'll teach you some things about yourself. We need to ask God for wisdom. He'll give it to us. And yes, we're going to go through things to get to, to, to that point, but we, we need it. We need wisdom to be able to go and teach others about Christ as well. God wants us also to maintain a proper perspective about our situations. Verse 9 says, Let the lowly brother glory in his exhortation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Fellowship is often disrupted by envy or pride. But God gives us reasons to be thankful for whatever situation in which we find ourselves. If all the members are willing to see themselves as God sees them, there will be no room for pride or envy. We should also be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. This goes to the point I was getting at about having two ears and one, one mouth, James 1, 19 through 20. We should also practice pure and undefiled religion, James 1, 22 through 27. We should demonstrate wisdom by our conduct, James chapter 3, and verses 13 through 18. We should definitely pray for one another, often, every day. By name, we should pray for one another, often, every day, by name. Keep praying to God. We, we can talk to God. God wants to hear from his children. God knows what's going on, but he still wants to hear from us. And he wants to hear that his children are praying for their brothers and sisters. If you had a sibling who was hurting, but they were afraid to talk to their parents, your parents about it, and you know they need help, you would go and talk to your parents, would you not? I would. So talk to God. Talk to God about one another. That bulletin is jam-packed with lots of people that need prayers. Our directory is jam-packed with people that need prayers. That's everyone that's in there. Um, sometimes, and I, and, and I love to pray to God, but sometimes I don't like even to turn on the TV, not TV, the radio, because there's so much to pray for. And I have to get out the car eventually. I don't like turn on it, get on my computer at work. Sometimes if I need to search for something, it automatically goes to MSNBC or something. And there's always the scroll of all the people that got hurt or there's a war going on. And I'm not, I can't, I I feel like, well, I can't pass by. I need to pray about it. And I want to pray, but there's so many other things that seem like they need to do, right? And so I know we get busy. We do get busy, but take some time throughout your day. Pray to God. It, you, you don't have to have a grandiose, uh, these words, and, and the prayer has to be real long. Pray for someone. You saw something, pray about it. God, please, with those people that were on the side of the road that are injured or they got in a car accident. Please, God, be with the folks that are in the ambulance. Please pray for the folks that are driving it. Pray for the EMS uh, person. Pray, pray for the patient that's in there. It doesn't take long to talk to God. Just talk to God. God wants you to talk to him. I think I believe that point. Pray for one another. And we should also restore the the erring. James 5, look at verse 19. Scripture says, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns them back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death 
and cover a multitude of sins. This goes back to a little bit about partiality and not showing partiality. Sometimes we know someone is in sin, living in sin, and they have expressed the interest of coming back to God. Yes, brother and sister, let me help you. Let me pray for you. Let's cast aside whatever feelings we have about that person. We all have a responsibility to help each other get to heaven. That person has a soul. Let's help that person. You see what the scripture says, what happens when you turn that person back to him. This quick survey of the epistle of James illustrates many of the good things we can do um, to be more enriching, enriching with our lives together. Indeed, the entire New Testament is filled with admonitions, not only to enhance our relationship with God, but also to enhance our fellowship with one another. Let the word of God be our guide to creating and maintaining our lives together. How about your relationship with God and his children, with the church? Is it what it ought to be? Can we help each other draw closer to God and his family? The answer is yes. We can help each other first by praying for one another, praying with one another, talking with one another, being around one another more, speaking to each other, admonishing one another, just being there for one another. Galatians three twenty six through 27 and James five sixteen. James five sixteen says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of, the, of a righteous man avails much. How much more than many men and women who are righteous and praying fervently to God? How much more that will avail? Next week, we will talk about how we're gonna, we can use our homes to build fellowship in our life together. Let's have a prayer. Our Father John in heaven, we are so grateful that you allow us to be able to get through this lesson tonight and understanding, Lord, that you're impartial, that you love us, and that you want us to all come to live in heaven with you. Help us to have that attitude that we want to help each other, no matter what we look like, what we sound like, where we're from. We all have souls, Lord, and help us to recognize that. Help us to be the family that you have us to be, and help us to to gain that wisdom, Lord, that your word says that we can ask you for. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for being in class tonight. I do appreciate it.